0: Right. Um, What I want to do, um, you you all know me, uh, my desire is to preach the gospel to non-Christians. So I don't actually do very much preaching or teaching to Christians. And one of the consequences of that is that basically I preach on what's really a burden of mine and I think when I'm speaking to Christians at the moment I have two great burdens and you're going to get one as it happens I brought with me two sets of notes and if I was doing the other talk it's the other great burden (laughs) but I thought no I was thinking praying this morning I thought no this is the one I'm going to stick with and uh, the the two burdens are really the, the desire for Christians the burden I have for us not to be silenced by what's going on in society we must as it were hold our nerve Uh, We must keep ploughing up the field by prayer and proclaiming Christ by witnessing and not be intimidated into silence by the secularism and humanism which is so aggressive. And I think leaving Christians rather fearful of witnessing because they're concerned about the the consequences of it. But the other burden, which is the one we're going to look at... um, is the heartbreak that we must have all experienced at times when people we've served with, we've prayed with we've witnessed with, we've loved, maybe even we've esteemed who then seem to go off the rails and um, I remember on one occasion I heard the story of somebody who'd worked with me and it just broke my heart, I I, I really couldn't believe what happened I went to bed, I couldn't sleep, so eventually I came down and in tears I wrote him a letter a long long letter and uh, I then actually I copied it and sent it to my four children as well I said I want you to hear what I feel and it just so upset me but there have been other things and some more recently so I want to talk if I may this, uh, this morning on the dangers of drifting and if you've got a Bible you might turn please to Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10 And I want to read just a few verses, uh, beginning at verse 19. Hebrews 10, beginning to read at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment, do you suppose, will he be thought worthy, who who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let me be (laughs) provocative to begin with. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Mm. We can discuss it over a meal table if we want. Mm. Interestingly of course, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, whose name we know is at Westminster Chapel, strongly believed that no, you could not lose your salvation. But significantly, his predecessor, who probably was a greater Bible student, Campbell Morgan, Believed you could lose your salvation. Now of course that, that's become. Um, sort of. Not the done thing to say these days. Uh, some of you have heard me say this already. But. Um, uh, I was at St. Helens Bishopsgate. A couple of years ago. For an evening service. William Taylor was preaching and there would have been 600 people there in their 20s and 30s and he was preaching on 2 Peter chapter 1 and, um, uh, and then they, he takes questions that come in by text and the first question that he read out after he'd preached was can a Christian lose their salvation this was his answer the Bible answer to the question can a Christian lose their salvation is don't <laughs> Very interesting because he then said there are theological systems that say you can lose your salvation, but the trouble with those is that you get a sensitive Christian who commits some sin and they feel they've lost their salvation. And then he said there are Christian systems that say you can't lose your salvation and that leads to antinomianism and lazy Christian living. He said the Bible answer is don't he went on and uh, that's not the theme of what I want to say but but it's an interesting question and of course one of the passages that's well or two of the passages well debated comes from the book of Hebrews we don't know who wrote Hebrews I must say from my reading around the subject it seems to me that all the, the evidence is that Luke, Dr. Luke, wrote Hebrews, which if if that's true, he wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. But again, it's, it's an issue we can talk and I don't know that it's particularly helpful. But it is clear, even if we don't know who wrote it, it's very clear why it was written. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, the author calls the book, my word of exhortation. So Hebrews is a book of exhortation. It's written to Jewish believers. We know from the book that they should have been more mature than they were. We know, chapter 10, verses 32 and 34, that they had suffered for their faith. We know from chapter 13, verses 7 to 10, that they were forgetting what they'd learned we know from chapter 13 verse 7 that they were losing confidence in their present leaders. We know that some had quit attending church, having fellowship with other believers. We know that they would forgotten that they were heavenly citizens and that they were only strangers on the earth. And here is the author of the book of Hebrews writing and encouraging Christians to grow up, to mature in Christ. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says that Hebrews warns us that if we name the name of Christ, we cannot live any way we please and get away with it. Now, last year I went through the book of Hebrews, just in my daily readings, and uh, I just wrote by various um, verses, D of D, (laughs) danger of drifting. And at least ten times... In the book of Hebrews, there's exhortation regarding the danger of drifting. And that's really what I want to speak about. The danger of drifting. That's the first point, really. And and, and there are danger signs all the way through this book saying, be careful. Um, I remember years ago, uh, I I was in the United States and um, I saw a sign I'd never seen anywhere else, never seen since. Snakes in this area. (laughs) And when I asked about it, apparently rattlesnakes were there. Well, the book of Hebrews is saying, hey, look, there are big, big dangers. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. And then, as we've just read, Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance. Now we're here we're 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 not only Christians, we're you know, we're, we're fairly mature. We're, we, we have an earnest desire that others should come to know Christ as we've come to know Christ. We can talk about our conversion stories. We can talk about the Lord's dealings with us. We can, you know, we, we've had precious times in the Word and in prayer and service, etc. And it's wonderful to have fellowship like this and talk about these things. But, hey, we could drift. And I don't know about you, but I fear that. Think of Joseph and Mary. They lost a day's fellowship with the Lord Jesus, didn't they? Because they, they went on ahead without him. I was reading in my quiet time this morning the book of Numbers and chapter 14. It quite... I don't know. I haven't worked it out really. This is, this is where God is going to destroy the nation of Israel. And then Moses pleads for them, on, as he did on one or two occasions. And then the Lord says that all was apart from Caleb and Joshua... All those who left Egypt over the age of twenty will die before they get to the promised land. And Moses tells the people this, and he says, We're not going to go into battle against the Canaanites, the Amalekites, we're going to go on a different route. And they all say, Okay. And then what do they do? <laughs> some of them say, No, 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 we'll go and fight with the Amalekites and Canaanites. And they're defeated. God so told them, No, you're not going to go a different way. No, 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 we're we'll going to do a battle in our own our own strength. And they lost big time. They weren't aware that no point fighting if the Lord wasn't with them. Samson, we know the story. But he was, the, the significant thing was he was unaware that the Lord had left him. He just didn't realise it. And you and I, we have our routine, don't we, as, as Christians. And, and we're all involved in evangelistic work. But the, the Lord isn't going to leave us. But I wonder if the intimacy of the Lord's presence sometimes is lost and it can be lost so easily can't it I remember hearing David Shepherd, the Welsh evangelist once saying that on one occasion he was praying he was having a time with the Lord and he said there was such an overwhelming sense of the Lord's presence he said I'd already shaved but I had to go and shave again I just felt grubby and then I was listening to a David Earnshaw sermon yesterday, or the day before, maybe it was the day before. And he was telling about one particular man that when he, David was young, he used to meet with this old guy who was around during the Welsh Revival. And, and they, they'd talk, and David, you know, in early 20s, listening to this man who'd seen such blessing. And the man told him how he'd been preaching in one particular place, and there was tremendous blessing. And in those days, the Western Mail, which of course is the Welsh newspaper then and now, used to report on what was happening in all these revival meetings. So this guy had been preaching on the Sunday. The next day, he went to get his train to go back home Monday. And he thought, oh, no, 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 I'll just go and and get the Western Mail, see how it reported on what my meeting was like yesterday. And apparently he told David, he said, I went and I read it and I never had the same sense of God's blessing with me again interesting the the sensitivity of knowing the Lord's presence and once we start to say I want some of the glory rather than it's all the Lord's the danger of drifting of just continuing without without the Lord's intimate immediate presence secondly there is not only the danger of drifting in Hebrews there's the danger of departing or the phrase is of course falling away you get this in chapter 6 verse 6 if they fall away etc in chapter 3 verse 12 beware brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God so it's beware brethren lest you depart and then chapter 10 verse 38 now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him I think we've probably all heard the story of uh, Robert Robinson the Cambridge minister um, who the story is anyway that um, in 1757 he wrote the hymn Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing And prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, etc. The story is that he was travelling in a carriage. I suppose it was a horse-drawn carriage. And there was a lady opposite him in the carriage. And she was reading. And eventually she looked up and said to this man, she didn't know who he was, uh, said to Robert Robinson, oh, could I just read something to you? This is just wonderful. Wonderful. And she read the very hymn that Robert Robinson had written. Robertson, rather, had written. And do you know, I don't know whether metaphorically or literally, with tears in his eyes, he said, I'd give a thousand words worlds to experience what I wrote those years ago, but I'm a long way from that now. And we know that has happened to other Cambridge ministers subsequent to Robert Robertson. So the danger of departing. And if we're going to be very honest, what what is it? It, it It's always gradual. J.C. Ryle said, open sin has killed its thousands, secret sin its tens of thousands. So it's gradual. It doesn't normally happen suddenly. How does it happen? It can be through... Well, I'm going to give a strong word now, but maybe it's it's tinkering with it to begin with heresy. Some new doctrinal fad comes along or a new emphasis or especially with well-known Christian leaders. There's always the danger to, as it were, discover something new so that once again you're hitting the headlines. I I think I could name one or two ministers, but it's been recorded, so I won't. But who have done that, they they sort of hit the headlines. They stir up controversy across the evangelical world and then eventually it it dies down. Why are they doing this? Uh, What is our responsibility as evangelists, as those who are preaching the word? Surely it's to be faithful to old truths. My my aim is not to come up with something new or clever. My aim is to treat, t- uh, preach and teach faithfully old truths. And then, of course, immorality. And we, we, we know we battle with this. And um, I'd love to say to you young guys, you guys battle with it. But as somebody who's now over 21, can you believe that? I, I have to say, you know, yes, it's a battle day by day by day, and i don 't know that it 'll see maybe when i 'm ninety nine who knows <laughs> so, um, uh, willie 's just shaking his head, so no, clearly not even at ninety nine <laughs> um, um, there 's that lovely story of josh McDowell um, interviewing an eighty four year old christian and um, and he says to him, I saw this on video, he said to him, at, at what stage in life do you lose the real temptation with regard to sex? And the 84 year old said, I don't know, but sometime after 84. <laughs> so there's a battle here and the danger of departing and falling away. And we know these things, don't we? And we know this has happened so many times. Thirdly, the danger of disobedience and of course these these are all you know just different shades aren't they uh, the danger of disobedience chapter 10 verse 26 for if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin but a certain fearful expectation of judgment now i don't believe that this means that if somebody sins willfully after they've been converted they'll be lost because Look, we've all sinned willfully, haven't we? I, I, I think the emphasis is, yes, there's a strong warning here. But, but, there is only one sacrifice for sin. And that was 2,000 years ago on, on, on when the Lord Jesus died for us. Um, so there's no other way back except through the cross. But sin haunts us, doesn't it? One would love to be able to say, I can look back on my life as a Christian. And it's just being pure and clean and holy and godly and unselfish. And and, but we're not like that. Sin does haunt us. I read a biography of a man called Truman Dollar, an American preacher. And um, I don't know, it, it, it so saddened me. Because he was, you know, it's a few years ago, 50 years ago perhaps, preaching in a big, big American church. And then he was called to go to uh, a church in the South. And uh, he went to this big church in the South, but he found that there were huge racial issues in the South. And he began to teach and work with his elders against racial discrimination in his own church he felt the church itself was treating people badly and he began to fight against it but some of the leaders of the church objected to what he was doing racial prejudice etc was deeply ingrained in them and so one of them began to research into his life and found that years before there had been a sort of ill-advised relationship with a woman who wasn't his wife. And he came back to his church in the south and spread this. Now it was true. But do you know what Truman Dollar did? He went into a supermarket car park and shot himself. Sin haunts us now <laughs> Satan accuses us doesn't he mm, you're no good you've done this you can't be used you're... the Holy Spirit does, never accuses he convicts us he sort of rests his heavy hand upon us he he Makes us uncomfortable. He gives some sort of ache in the bones of our being. Doesn't it All Has to be dealt with. I found, if I may take you to it. Tremendous help from Galatians 5 uh, verse 17. Which I think actually is a summary of Romans chapter 7. It's, it's Romans 7 condensed into one verse. But let's, let's read Galatians 5 verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to another, to one another Sorry, so that you do not do the things that you wish now that is my experience I do not do the things that I wish sometimes don't write me off and drive me out, but sometimes I, don't, I want to do the most wicked things sometimes I want to do things that are so wrong and I desire them but don't do them because the Holy Spirit sort of holds me back and there are other times and I hope they are more than the, <laughs> the ones I've just referred to when I want to be the holiest and godliest and most prayerful and saintly person I can be you know and, but I don't do them because the flesh holds me back and that's what this verse is saying for the fleshless against the spirit the spirit against the flesh and they're contrary to one another yes we know that so that you do not do the things that you wish Isn't that powerful? But there is always the danger of disobedience and I know it for myself and it can sneak in so easily. I've never shoplifted in my life. Well, that's not quite true. (laughs) With one exception, I've never shoplifted in my life. i better just quickly tell you the the exception. Um, I was with a friend of mine And we were in Glastonbury and uh, I was doing a mission in street and he said, I must show you Glastonbury, which I've never been to. I don't know whether you've been there, but uh, we walked up Glastonbury Main Street and we counted 30 shops given to the occult or paganism. I was just stunned by it. Even Glastonbury Abbey, you know, which is supposed to be a Christian church, has a, a bookshop and there were loads of crystals and tarot cards and incredible, but we'll leave that in- you just on tarot cards, Tommy you'll be interested in this, my daughter Hannah and Andy and family went to Scarborough just for a couple of days recently, they saw a tarot card reading shop in Scarborough with a sign outside church groups welcome phone such and such a, a number, can you believe it but there we are anyway and I saw just behind uh, a shop there was a table with loads of second hand books and um, most of them were occults. but in the middle was a Christian focus commentary on John's gospel by John Calvin and I looked at it it was three pounds and I thought, oh, wow, well, this is amazing. I'm going to rescue John Calvin from the occult, you see. And anyway, I picked it up. And there was a lady at the end of the table. I said, oh, are you taking the money? She said, no, 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 you pay in that shop. So I, I took it round. I was going to go in and pay. But it was an occult shop. <laughs> So I thought, well, there's no way I'm giving three pounds to uh, to an occult shop. So I went up the road, and there was a charity shop, and I went and put three pounds in their box. So did I shop? Well, anyway, we leave. <laughs> but So I've never shoplifted apart from that one occasion in my life. But do you know, at times I get tempted just to nick stuff, I think, oh, this shop doesn't need my money. and uh, And even... The silliest of things. What is five p? It's, it's almost nothing, is it? But I think why should I have to pay for this plastic bag? I'll just maybe you don't have these battles, but it's a silly little thing in some ways. Now, I've not done it, but the danger of disobedience, and we have to ask ourselves how how obedient are we? in young life we, we regularly used to say to ourselves um, you know, are, are you up to date on your readings because we went through a, a reading scheme that took us through the bible once a year are you up to date on your readings well I think we could go around and ask ourselves are you up to date on your obedience do you remember C.T. and F.B. Mayer students in um, Cambridge University and one day F.B. Mayer Woke up in, in the morning and he just opened out the window, looked across the courtyard and he saw C.T. Studs light on in his room. Later on he said to C.T., he said, oh you were up early this morning, uh, any particular reason. And C.T. said, I read last night, he said, Jesus saying if you love me keep my commandments and I do love him. So I was just going through his commandments to make sure I was keeping them. We can get to the stage in Christian work that it just is almost like water off a duck's back. We don't get challenged anymore. The danger of disobedience. I must move on, sorry. Fourthly, the danger of disbelieving. Chapter 12 verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Chapter 3 verse 7, Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Chapter 10 verses 30 and 31, we read, The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. This is written to believers. Now we know that's true of the unsaved, but it's written for believers. And belief is a choice we're living in an age where we are bombarded with atheism and secularism and humanism and, and we don't want it to impact us but it can affect us and it's very easy to start to as it were allow doubt to fester to become unbelief remember God judged his child Lot he judged Moses even. No, I don't mean by judging sent them to hell, but he judged Moses. So Moses, you know, didn't go into the Promised Land. Well, he did on the Mount of Transfiguration, but we'll leave that. He he, he, he didn't go into the, the Promised Land. Samson. Werner Wright, who sort of mentored me, he used to say he used to say saved soul but wasted life. Mm. Wasn't this Samson that saved soul? But what a waste of all those years grinding, blinded and and all the rest. Three times in Hebrews we're told you'll not enter into my rest. Now Hebrews was written to bring about a spiritual recovery to those who are wanting to be safe and comfortable in a society opposed to Christian faith. Now isn't that us today? And the danger even with full-time workers that we are just to go along with the flow... I love uh, what Werner used to call, he probably wasn't the first one, um, but the row of lettuces that there is in chapter 10. Um, Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession. Verse 24, and let us consider one another to stir up, etc. We are encouraged in the book of Hebrews to take a fresh look at Jesus. Chapter 12, sorry, chapter 9 verse 22. It talks about the blood shed and it was shed once and for all. Let us gaze on the Lord Jesus. We, we have our quiet times and yes at the moment I'm in the book of Numbers but we need to gaze at the Lord Jesus and see him portrayed. We're encouraged to depend upon the promises of God and bring them to God. Lord you've said this. Now please, will you act to fulfill your promises? We're, We're encouraged to remember the sufficiency of God's provision. He provided for the Israelites with... um The manor, of course, quails, etc. The shoes didn't wear out, the clothes didn't wear out. He provided. He can do it today. He hasn't changed. We're encouraged to live by faith. We're encouraged to grow and mature into uh, sort of courageous Christians with a ministry. We're we're encouraged to even move outside the camp and, yes, if need be, suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is throughout the book of Hebrews an urgency. Eight times I, I've counted. It talks about today. Today. So let's come to the throne of grace. Let's stir up our hearts. Let's let's gaze on the Lord Jesus. And as it were say Lord with your strength. I, I, I just don't want to drift. We are sinners. I was quoting to somebody earlier. Horace Jones from Landon. Saying I've never been a disappointment to God and I said I beg your pardon you've never been a disappointment no he said I've never been a disappointment to God he took me on as a poor wretched miserable sinner and I've never been a disappointment to him <laughs> we are sinners but oh to fight against sin to be to be godly to, to have that first love where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord and yeah, my, my, my heart my message to myself and I hope to, to all of us is let us let's follow the exhortation of the book of Hebrews to spend much time with the Lord and not allow the world or just selfish desires to dictate the agenda of our daily lives. Amen. Sorry, I went on a bit longer than I should. Okay, yeah, that was a blessing.